Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway and I'll be your host. Today, you'll be hearing the audio from our live training session for the Brewery Financial Training Program. If you'd like to learn more about the Brewery Financial Training Program, you can click the link in the show notes or you can just go to carriesfinancialtraining.com and check out the course details. There are two flavors of the Brewery Financial Training Program. One is our general overview and the other is done in partnership with ECOS. So you can learn about financial training concepts and tactics and then how to apply them using the ECOS software. So the Brewery Financial Training Program is for owners, managers, and staff who need practical financial training to improve cash flow, profitability, and to build a better brewery business. The course includes 40 lessons delivered across six modules. We have a total of eight hours of instruction, six graded quizzes, and a final exam. So again, if you'd like to learn more, please head over to carriesfinancialtraining.com, check out the shop courses section, and you'll get all the details. So for now, please enjoy this live session of our Q&A for the Brewery Financial Training Program. So again, these are a forum to ask questions. You can ask about the course material, maybe something you're stuck on or just wanted to dig a little deeper on, um, or if there's any challenge that you're wrestling with uh, in your brewery right now. I'd love to hear that. So many options to do that, but certainly the chat's uh, the way for today. Um, I'm also going to review the highlights of one of the course modules. And again, today is going to be on cash flow and cash flow management. So this is the Cliff Notes version. And I'll provide you with some action items to help you improve your cash flow as well. And it's also a space for me to share what I'm working on or what I've learned recently, some things that might be useful for you. Um, so what I am working on presently is really thinking about the tap room and reopening and you know sales tactics, you know, way that we can bring people back safely and comfortably, but still, you know, be growing sales through the tap room. So I did just finish up uh, a podcast interview with Andrew Copeland. He runs an outfit called Secret Hopper. If you're not familiar with it, I would recommend just Google it, Secret Hopper, or you can check out our podcast. You can go to Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast on Apple, or just go to the website and you'll find it. Uh, so definitely recommend checking that out. He's got a lot of interesting uh, tips and tactics uh, for your for your tap room, just really improve operations and profitability. But two things that I'll share, uh, and these are stats that I've heard before and Andrew and I have talked about before, but I think it's useful to share them here as well, because while it doesn't directly relate to cash flow, it certainly relates to profitability and sales growth. And that, and these are two things that you can think about. One is very simple, is single-use paper menus. And 
I think we get away from those because, you know, we don't want to create too much junk and we're not sure if they work or not. And Andrew has many data points that show you get a 35% lift on the spend just by using one-time-use, single-use paper menus. Very interesting. Uh, you can obviously test that in your tap room to see what your results are. And the other is, um, and I'm a big advocate for this, is the upsell or suggesting to-go beer. So when someone's checking out, they've had their beers, they're cashing out. Uh, if the server is asking, you know, would you like to try some to-go beer today? Or it could be merchandise. It doesn't have to be beer per se, but you know, just offering them something else. Andrew's data shows that when asked, uh, do you want some to-go beer, the customer purchases it 49% of the time. And when they don't ask, they purchase 9% of the time. So that's, uh, I guess by my math, that's at least a five-fold improvement. So those are just a couple of uh, things that I've been learning recently or relearning and just want to share with you. So our usual housekeeping items here, questions, comments, drop them in the chat. Email me, carry at beerbusinessfinance.com if you have something that doesn't lend itself to the chat area. Or if you'd like, shoot me an email and we can set up a short call if there's something I can help you with. Presentation replays will be available about an hour after the conclusion of our webinar here. And you'll get a link so you can check those out, share them with your team. And in the upper right-hand corner, in our presentation section, um, handout section, I should say, is a, uh, you can get, grab a, a copy of this presentation deck. So this is me. My name is Kerry Shumway. I'm a CPA, CFO, former CFO for a beer distributor. I'm currently a partner and CFO at Wormtown Brewery in Worcester, Massachusetts. And again, creating this course and doing these live sessions uh, just really to share what I've learned and the mistakes that I've made. Hopefully you can avoid those and really shorten the learning curve for you so you can create a financially successful beer business. So these are the modules that we've covered. Uh, these, um, you'll have a link to watch the replays, but they're also going to be in the course itself. So at the bottom of the course outline, you'll see a bonus section and I'm adding each of these videos there. So you can just, whichever is more convenient, you can watch them there. So our first live training, we covered modules one and two, the brewery financials, all the nuts and bolts. The second live training, we covered modules three and four, those common financial problems and cost of goods sold and how to price your beer. In the third session last week, we talked about budgeting, financial planning, and how to think about putting your financial plan together for your business. And today we're going to talk about cash flow. And as my usual ask, if you haven't done so already, in the Brewery Financial Training Program in the introduction, uh, you'll find a please introduce yourself section. So if you haven't filled that out, please do so. I'd love to hear from you on how I can uh, best help and you know hear what your challenges are so that I can create course content to get you just what you need. So in our cash flow, these are the points that I want to kind of overview, cover some highlights, cash flow management, best practices, talk about the, the key drivers of brewery cash flow. Because I really feel like once you identify, and there's not an infinite number, you know, there's a handful that really make a, a, a big impact. So identifying those drivers and then working to create scorecards so we can track those and use key, key cash flow metrics so that we can measure it see how we're doing, put strategies in place uh, to do better. But it really just creates that visibility. 
And then the system that I like, to, I just called the three-step system to improve your brewery cash flow. Three, three quick things you can do uh, that will help you and make a difference. And, you know, of all the modules and all the material that we cover in the course, uh, cash flow is really the most important. So if you take one thing away from the entirety of the course, you know, the eight hours of instruction, 40 modules, et cetera, um, it is this, that you really have to have a good plan to manage your cash. We talk about a lot of things in our business, innovation and you know, new package types. And you know, should we buy this new piece of equipment? And how do we get our, our beer you know, at retail, more distribution points? There's so many nuts and bolts and it's, it's just, it's remarkable. But if we take our eye off cash flow, none of that really matters. So we've got to have a good cash flow plan. And uh, my goal really with this module and this presentation is to uh, share some starting points for you so you can put a good cash flow management plan in place for your brewery. So first things first, you know, when we're running our financial statements, typically our income statement, we're, we're using accrual accounting. So really the distinction is accrual accounting is not measuring the flow of cash. It's just recording transactions. So transactions like when sales, you know, when we, when we make that sale, if, if we're going to retail, um, you know, we're delivering an invoice, we're delivering the beer, we're not necessarily collecting cash with that invoice. You know, if it's if it's a COD delivery, sure we will, but very often we're selling on credit. So accrual accounting is really just recording sales when they're earned and expenses when they're incurred, and we have an obligation to pay them. And I was talking with a, a business owner recently, and he said, you know, we're running cash accounting, cash basis accounting, and it tells us nothing about profitability, and that's really true. So. I think step one here is just identify what method of accounting are you using, accrual or cash basis. And is, is, neither one is wrong per se, but it's really understanding which one you're using so that you know how to read your income statement. So accrual accounting is going to show us transactions and our traditional profitability. And cash basis accounting is really just following cash coming in and cash going out. So it doesn't, it's not following the transactions per se, just the money. So step one is just understanding which which method you're using uh, in your financial statements. Next is to build, I guess what I would call the cash flow muscle, right? So we want to have daily and weekly practices and a regular focus. And I stress these routines and these consistency aspects of this really just to kind of groove it so that it becomes second nature. You know, it's not something, you know, that we do from time to time. We're doing it on a regular basis. Um, so setting up those routines for yourself can make a big difference. And then having responsibility for certain numbers. And we'll dig into this a little bit in the, we talk about the key drivers to your cash flow. But for example, if you've got someone managing your inventory, you got someone managing, uh, say your accounts receivable, that you would give them very specific responsibility for those numbers and provide some ratios that they can use to better manage their inventory. Um, so for example, inventory, the, the question is always, how do we know if we have enough? I don't want to have too much. I don't want to have too little. So we can use ratios for that. And among others, we use a days on hand ratio where we're just comparing uh, and we're not just doing it, you know, once a quarter or once a year, we're doing it, you know, could be literally daily or weekly as we're doing our forecasting, but we want to make a comparison between what do I have for inventory and what do I need to satisfy future market demand for sales? So setting, setting up some uh, responsibility for those, creating daily, weekly practices. 
And then having a financing plan, you know, we often think about borrowing money when we want to buy something. So if we need a, a new piece of equipment or whatever, new kegs, you know, go to the bank, hey, I want to buy this, as opposed to kind of doing this in advance and having a financing plan. So one example of that would be setting up an equipment line of credit, which is there and ready for you. It's pre-approved and you just have immediate access to capital. It really can save a lot of time and frustration. And it, it's just a good part of an overall uh, cash flow management plan is to have that financing plan. And this is just a quote I like to share uh, from Chris Heron from Creature Comforts. He had said, this was at a CBC conference. He said, you can outsource tax work, bookkeeping, payroll, and so forth, but you cannot outsource your cash flow management. So we're definitely in the business of, and, and I am an advocate of outsourcing a lot of these things, tax, tax work and payroll in particular, uh, but cash flow management really has to stay with you, the business owner. If you have an accounting manager or controller, that has to be an internal process because uh, it's just too important to let out of your site. So these are the five main drivers of brewery cash flow, and you can rotate them in what or, whatever order makes most sense for your brewery. So for example, if you're not selling on credit, you know, accounts receivable is probably not one you need to worry too much about. For example, like if everything is flowing through your tap room, it's credit card sales, cash, uh, you're probably not going to have an accounts receivable. So then you might say, well, but inventory is a big deal. So we want to look at these being the five main drivers, which ones are most important to you? And you may determine you really only need to focus on two or three of these. Uh, but the name of the game is we focus on them, we measure and manage, we are going to improve our cash flow. So I want to dig into a couple of these cash drivers, just kind of overview, you know, what we get into more detail in the course. But so accounts receivable, that's basically uncollected sales. And the key measurement, the ratio we'd want to look at here is something called day sales outstanding. So really what we're trying to determine is what's our accounts receivable balance? How much cash do we have that's uncollected? And how does that compare to, say, our credit terms? Uh, so we'll do just some quick math. We'll need to pull a few numbers together. So we'll start with the accounts receivable balance as of a point in time. And typically you do this at month end, but you can really do it at any, any point throughout the month. So in this example, we've got an accounts receivable balance of 250,000. And we're gonna do a computation of our average daily sales. Now for this, I would just simply look backwards 30 days. So if you're in a clean month, take the sales for the month, divide it by the number of days in the month, and that'll give you an average daily sales. So for easy math, I'm just using $10,000 as our average daily sales. And then we divide average daily sales into the accounts receivable balance and that tells us that we have 25 days sales outstanding. So again, we want to determine how that compares to our other credit terms that we're offering. So if we are uh, offering 30-day credit terms and our average day sales outstanding is 25, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good. We're collecting a little faster than the terms. If our terms are 15 days and we're seeing 25, we got to do some work and dig in there because we're, um, we're collecting too slowly. And that the takeaway here is that that is obviously going to have a big impact on our cash flow. I love talking about the accounts receivable aging report because it is that detailed listing of who owes us money, how much, and how old is, is the particular invoice. So running this on a regular basis, I typically will run this weekly, uh, but if you have 
someone whose job it is to collect money or your bookkeeper posting, uh, you may want to do it more frequently. Uh, the key here is the sooner you identify a potential collection issue, the sooner you can tackle it. Um, the longer things go outstanding, the less likely it is that you'll actually collect. So slow paying accounts, as we talked about in common financial pro uh, the last section with our common financial problems in brewery financials, you know, slow paying accounts hurt cash flow and then no paying accounts hurt cash flow and your profitability because those become bad debts. So we run this report. We can see who owes us money and whether there's anything that might be overdue. And then we can take action on the items that we're seeing. So in this example, I'm just listing down distributor one, two, three, four, five. You might have, you might be self-distributing. So this could be retailers, but it's the same concept. How old is the invoice? Is it overdue? Do I need to pick up the phone? Do I need to send an email, resend an invoice, send somebody out to the account to collect? Uh, but it's really designed to be, uh, here's what's going on related to cash flow and whether or not we have any issues and need to, uh, to tackle those. The second cash driver I want to talk about was inventory. And this is obviously a huge um, cash flow item for breweries, you know, whether it's raw materials, packaging goods, finished goods, you name it. So it's really just cash in a different form. And as I had mentioned earlier, the key ratio we want to use here is days on hand. So we're really just kind of making a relationship between what do we have for inventory and what do we need for inventory going forward based on what our forecasted sales might be. Um, so this does require us to have an understanding of or do a little bit of research on what do we anticipate selling over the course of the next, say, 30 days. And if you're working with distributors, they're typically placing orders in that time frame. If you're selling direct to retailers, um, it, typically you can look historically like, all right, we're coming into the month of April. What did we do last April? You know, it happened to be a pandemic at that. So we might want to use the April 2019 um, but you get the idea. We want to do a little bit of, of research and determine what are we going to be selling so that we can uh, do our calculation. So the days on hand calculation is really a measurement of do we have the right amount of inventory? That's effectively what it's, what it's trying to tell us. So we start with what do we have for inventory on hand? And in this example, I'm just using finished goods and I'm doing this in cases. So if we happen to have 10,000 cases on hand, and we've done our daily forecasted sales and we're anticipating 500 cases a day that we're going to sell. We're going to divide those forecasted sales into the inventory on hand. And that's going to give us a number of days of inventory on hand in total. So in this, the way the math works here, 500 divided into 10,000 gives us 20 days. So if we didn't replenish any inventory and we sold uh, just for the next 20 days, we would theoretically have zero inventory at the end. So just telling us how many days of inventory do we have right now? And then we compare that to the goal and the goal might be, well, how long does it take us? How much inventory should we have on hand? Uh, because we can replenish it, right? We can brew more beer, package more beer. So we would set a goal based on what our production cycles look like. In this example, if our goal is to have no more than 10 days of inventory on hand and we're sitting on 20, we're, we're carrying in this example, too much inventory. And again, too much inventory means we are hurting our cash flow. So to the extent we can get those numbers down, we're gonna improve cash relative to that ratio. So those were drivers one and two. I'm skipping ahead now to number five, just because we don't need to go through all of these. It's in the course, but I picked these three because I think they're, they're generally relevant to most breweries and those who have 
have debt and loans, uh, I know this can be a source of great anxiety. So one way to relieve that anxiety is to look at this cash driver in more detail, you know, understand your loans, your, your debt situation, and then run what the bank is going to run anyway, which is a debt service coverage ratio. So I'll go through that with you here. But you know, our loan payments, these are monthly payments of principal and interest, uh, depending on what kind of debt we have, whether it's equipment or, or uh, landed building. So debt service is the payments on the loan, and our debt service coverage ratio is going to tell us how well our cash flow covers those debt payments. And what we'll look at generally from a, you know, how we define cash flow in this example is cash flow is going to mean uh, this uh, acronym called EBITDA plus or minus some other financial items. And your loan documents will speak to this or your loan officer can explain it. And once again, EBITDA is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. So earnings is the same as uh, net income or net loss. And then we just simply add back certain items to get to this ratio. But again, it's a common acronym. It's a common financial measurement that banks and investors will use. So here's an example. Uh, if we have debt service of $100,000. Maybe this is over an annual period. And we have coverage of $150,000. And that's calculated by taking that total EBITDA. The way we would do the debt service coverage ratio calculation is simply to divide in, uh, basically we're dividing total coverage by the total payments. And your bank is gonna specify what this number should be, but I'll say generally the higher the better. So you've got more coverage. Um, and generally banks are probably gonna want you at 1.0 to 2.0, somewhere in that range, but almost certainly above 1.0. They want more coming in than going out. So that's a debt service coverage ratio you can look at this in terms of, you know, do I have too much debt? A lot of it is a function of, can you service that debt? Can you pay it back? And this calculation will help you kind of make that correlation and, and help answer that question. So for me, I like to be 1.5 or higher. You know, certainly two, three is even better. Just means your cash flow is really good relative uh, to those loan payments going out. So something to consider just as an action item is to if you have a debt service coverage ratio requirement on your loans is to add that calculation to your monthly financial reporting packet. And that way it just keeps it front and center. You know, you know how to calculate it. You're doing it every month. Uh, you know what the goal should be. And then also consider sitting down with the, with the bank, with your lender to see what options you might have for access to capital. And this was a, obviously a very big deal and may, in, in some cases it still is, is, you know, the single biggest, single best thing we can do for our business is always have adequate access to cash or access to capital. Uh, so working capital line of credit, equipment line of credit, things of this nature can help a great deal. So if you happen to be in a, in a better situation now, now is probably the time to go and ask and, and uh, see if we can get these line of credits set up and just have that access if we need it again in the future. So I showed some of the scorecards there relative to each of the cash flow drivers. So days, sales outstanding. Again, that's going to tell us how well we're managing our accounts receivable cash flow driver. Days on hand is going to tell us how well we're measuring inventory. Days to pay is going to show how we're doing with our accounts payable. Return on investment 
is a calculation we can use to look at our, our capital expenses, basically our fixed asset purchases and how well we're doing in that regard. If we're going to be investing money, what type of return are we going to get on that equipment or those kegs or whatever it is that we're purchasing? And then as we just covered the debt service coverage ratio. So I think, you know, all five of these may be relevant or maybe just two or three, but my recommendation is identify what's most important. For most breweries, it's, it's almost certainly going to be inventory and consider creating a scorecard so you can measure this and uh, really watch it on a regular basis. It will help your cash flow. So the three-step system uh, to think about uh, for managing cash flow are these items. And, they, and they're fairly simple and straightforward, but it's just kind of a methodical process that you need to go through. Sometimes you have to ask the basic questions uh, to really understand where money is kind of flowing out of your business. So that's step one is find out how and where money leaves your business. And then step two is put yourself really in between your money and it, it flowing out. So really having some checks and balances so that you can see what's going on. And then the third step is to review your past spending and make adjustments if you can and if it's appropriate to do so. So I'll dig into each of these a little bit. So first is how and where does money leave your business? It might sound obvious, like, yeah, we write checks, we have payroll, you know, the bank takes the loan payment, et cetera, et cetera. But if you go through it, it's I think it's useful to look at not just how and where, but who's in charge of each of these steps. So accounts payable, you know, that's our weekly check run to vendors and suppliers. Manual checks, you know, that might be that one-off check, so-and-so needs to go buy something, here's a check. Payroll, that's either weekly or bi-weekly, generally processed through a payroll provider. How is that money coming? Oh, it's directly out of the bank, okay. And then ACH or EFT, so these are other payments that may have been set up in the past, they might just be ongoing. You might not even know about them. So working in this order, I would start with, okay, accounts payable, who's in charge? What are the processes that we're following? And when things get really bad from a cash flow standpoint, you want to be able to kind of toggle these um, on and off in terms of what's the process by which we review and prove accounts payable and send money out? And how quickly could I change that process if we start to have a cash flow problem or I want to adjust spending? So who's in charge? What does the process look like? And then what kind of communication would I need in order to kind of dial that back? ACH and EFT, these can be, they can be sneaky. So if you don't reconcile your bank statement personally, maybe you have someone that's doing it, um, it's a good idea to grab that bank statement and just kind of look at those charges that are that are getting pulled out directly. So ACHs are just automated payments that are being pulled directly from your from your account. You know, you've set them up most likely, and sometimes we just lose track. So I would start with that: how and where money leaves your business, and then taking an active role. You know, it doesn't have to be forever, but if you do this for a day, for a week, and just kind of dig in and sign every check. It's kind of remarkable what you see when you're looking at every single invoice. You know, sometimes there's invoices like, why are we paying for this? Or why is this so much? But I think the biggest thing that you can do when you're inserting yourself into this money out process is test your accounts payable process and procedures. And really what this looks like is typically what we'll have is when we're paying any bill, we want to have 
generally three documents. You know, what is it? We want to have a purchase order that says, did we approve this? We want to have a packing slip that says, you know, did we get this? Does it agree to the purchase order? The quantity's right. And then we want to have an invoice that should agree to those other documents as well. So the invoice, the dollars agree to the purchase order, the purchase order quantities, and what we ordered is actually what came in, you know, per the uh, bill of lading. And we can tie everything together. So if something's missing, it's usually a red flag that, all right, somewhere in the process of this broke down. Because I've got an invoice and I don't know if I ever even received these items. Or I've got an invoice and I don't have a purchaser. You know, we didn't, we didn't. So it starts with kind of, do we have process and procedures? Do we have a good purchase order system in place? Um, and then just testing to make sure we're actually uh, actually following it. Because sometimes things break down. So that's, I think, the most important reason for inserting yourself in there is you can test these processes, make sure that they're actually working. And then the third step is reviewing your past spending. You know, we talked about the general ledger report, the transactions there, and what information you'd find. So basically, a general ledger would be all the transactions uh, that, that your company has had. So, you know, we're coming to the month of April. What I like to do is maybe run April and May for last year and look at all the different transactions that were flowing through, particularly from an expense standpoint. You know, we might start with miscellaneous. What's in miscellaneous expense? And then you can roll through maybe marketing and advertising and any of your larger uh, expense type items are good places to start, but really just scanning the general ledger and looking at what we incurred last year, same time, and use that as an indication as to what expenses might be upcoming. So the name of the game here is we want to get in front of spending if we need to dial things back, or at least just understand what we're spending money on. Uh, these are these are good tools to do that. So the general ledger, our old friend there, coming back, print that, that out or just dump it into Excel. Uh, if you're using QuickBooks, it's a snap, just you, know, you just run the report, download it. It's very quick and easy. You just you can just spend five or ten minutes and get a pretty good look at uh, what kind of uh, transactions are flowing through there. So that is the three-step system is really figure out where money leaves your business, put yourself in the middle of it, review the past spending so you can make adjustments if you need to. So that's the lightning round of our cash flow management section of the course. So those best practices, really a starting point is just a basic understanding of accrual versus cash accounting and seeing which method you're using. And again, accrual accounting is really going to give us a good look at profitability, but it's not going to tell us anything about cash flow. So we need cash flow tools. And I recommend starting with these cash flow drivers, creating scorecards, assigning responsibility. So once we understand these are the drivers, then we can look at who's in charge of these things, our inventory manager, or maybe our credit manager for receivables. And then we want to track what our numbers are, turn those into some key cash flow metrics, and then have our people monitor those numbers so that we can improve them. And again, the, the best part is if we if we measure and manage and improve these drivers, we're going to improve our cash flow in our brewery. And then the three-step system, just something easy. And this is doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the owner of the brewery doing this. It could be just, you know, it could be the general manager. It could be someone else that's coming in um, and really kind of auditing the system. So understanding you know, how money's leaving the business, 
and whether we need to make any changes relative to process improvement. So I love talking about cash, and I see we have a question from Kim. Kim says, given the COVID environment, how are you predicting cash flows? Last year is nothing like this year for us. I hope that's in a good way, Kim, meaning last year is nothing like this year, meaning it's gotten better. At least I hope that is the case. Well, I think it's it's the same, slightly better, okay. It's the same process. I've said this um, a few times, not today, but you know, in the past is um, nothing's really changing in how we forecast. It's just the urgency with which we do it. And it's the speed with which we do it and the frequency with which we're watching uh, these items. So the fundamentals don't change. We just need to have that, that urgency involved. So basically predicting cash flows for me starts by um, doing our financial forecast. So we do that 12 month rolling financial forecast. You know, it's the end of uh, March right now. So I've got about a quarter's worth of activity in 2021. And I'm going to look at our annual budget and say, you know, April's coming up, May's right after. How does our, how does the budget that we created compare to what we're looking at right now? What new information do we have? Well, you know, in certain states, uh, restrictions have been lifted. So tap rooms can operate at full capacity. Okay. That wasn't in our plan. We kind of thought we'd still be. So what is that going to mean? Well, I want to look at my tap room. I want to look at how I came up with uh, sales forecast for the tap room, for example, and I'm to make some modifications. Now, I think the sales are going to be a little bit better. Uh, I think I'm going to have to add some staff back in. So it's taking that financial plan and again, having it on like a rolling 12 month basis and doing a quick, and there's an emphasis on the word quick, because we don't have time to, you know, spend a month figuring this out. We just have to do the best we can. And just like as I'm advocating with cash flow being just a regular part of your routine, this financial reforecasting can be a regular part of the routine too. It doesn't have to take forever. It can be very quick. I just want to quickly take the information I've, I've been learning and apply that to my financial plan. So updating sales, margins, operating expenses, baking that into the plan. And if you haven't, I'll put this in the course as well, but I have another video kind of that speaks more to that accelerated financial planning. Here's the model. Here's how I approach it. Um, so that would be the biggest way. And then it's these other tools, right? It's having a, a daily cash flow tracker. And I say daily, it can be, you know, once a week, once every other week, but I want to pull together all the things that are affecting my short-term cash flow. What do I have for cash right now? What do I have for access to capital? And then what am I predicting for receivable collections payables that are going out, payroll. And I'm just going to real quick, it's almost a back back of the napkin, but a real quick look at, you know, what my short-term cash um, is forecasting out to be. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm bookending it and I want uh, a longer financial forecasting model so I can look at April and then the balance of the year, for example. And then I'm taking a bookending it with a very narrow look at cash flow. What's cash today? What do I think it's going to be over the next two weeks? And that's going to give me you know, again, sort of a, you know, short-term focus, what do I have for cash? And then long, like a long-term plan, you know, what's the balance of my year look like as far as that uh, financial forecast. But um, I hope that answers the question. And I'll put um, that in the course as well, because I think that's, that's the approach I'm using. It seems to work, you know, nothing's perfect. Just everything's changing. Um, 
you know, and to your point, with it's very hard to, under normal circumstances, it's really hard to create a good, accurate budget. Um, and certainly with COVID, it's even harder, but it's not impossible. And I also say, you're not going to get to 100%, but you might get 80 or 90. And that's going to be a lot better than uh, than not having any visibility at all. So I would check those out and uh, consider using those for your for your business. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for joining. And again, if you have any questions, if you're watching the replay later or members of your team do, I'd love to hear from you. So the best place is to post your feedback in the comment section of the course. That way everybody can see it and we can all benefit from the, the Q&A. Uh, but certainly if you uh, would like, you can send me an email, carrie at beerbusinessfinance.com. All right, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week and thanks for joining. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.